0: Welcome to the Well Community Totes. Amanda and I recently watched the musical Hamilton. And if you've seen it, I'm sure, like everyone else, you were blown away by how well done this historical documentary, if you will, was put together uh, to music and to rap. Uh, nonetheless and it just blew me away and the songs just grab you and stick with you and you find yourself kind of humming or singing along and the one song that's really jumped out to me is it's quiet uptown and throughout Alexander Hamilton's life he had made some dumb decisions he had made some very unwise decisions and they had also lost uh, their oldest son in a duel and they move uptown, and this song is about them dealing with the unimaginable, with all of these mistakes they'd made with the loss of their son and just carrying this sense of grief. But then about three-quarters of the way through the song, it references Alexander Hamilton standing next to his wife, and she suddenly reaches over and takes his hand. And there's this line in the song that just says, Forgiveness, can you imagine. And it gives me goosebumps every time because the weight of the mistakes were enormous. The, the things that he had done that had jeopardized their marriage was just heartbreaking. But yet there's this picture of her reaching over, taking his hand and forgiving him for, for walking through this and now going through the unimaginable together. And I want us to sit with that question, forgiveness, can you imagine, as we dig into tonight's text. We're picking up where we left off last week in Acts chapter 10, verse 23. And last week, we saw Peter and this guy Cornelius, and God was working in both of their lives, bringing them together. And tonight is gonna be the intersection where Peter travels back with Cornelius' servants to meet with Cornelius and his family and to tell them the good news of Jesus. And you see, Peter is Jewish and Cornelius is Gentile. They they do not believe the same things, they're not practicing the same things, but God is at work in both of their lives bringing them together. So I'm excited to dig into this, but remember this idea of forgiveness. Can you imagine? Let's read together Acts chapter 10, verse 23 to 48. Peter invited the men to stay for the night. And the next day he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told them, You know, it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius replied, Four days ago, I was praying in my house about the same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and and summon a man named Simon Peter. He's staying in the home of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once, and it was good of you to come. Now we're all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. So Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him to life on the third day, then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us, whom God has chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere, to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins, Forgiven through his name. And as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues or other languages and praising God. Then Peter asked, Can anyone object to their being baptized now that they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. So again, from where we left off last week, we saw Peter being challenged in his assumptions and look beyond his assumptions to recognize that everyone belongs at the table with Jesus, that that everyone is being invited to be part of this family. But as I sat with this and I wrestled with it, I was kind of thinking, what's going on beneath the surface? What, what would they actually be hearing at this time? Because for us, it's kind of second nature to know that, yeah, of course God loves everyone. Of course Jesus loves me. Of course Jesus loves that person. It's almost this thing we've taken for granted now, whether we're followers of Jesus or not. So as I continued to dig into this text and sit with it, the line that kept jumping out to me was verse 43, that Jesus is the one all of the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven. And I believe that's what's at stake here, this forgiveness. Can you imagine? Because for so long, the Jews have kind of carried this prestigious placement, that they were the people of God. And that if a Gentile wanted to actually join them, they would have to become Jewish and not just practice all the things and say the right things, but they would even have to become Jewish in the sense of circumcision for the males. But now there's this new understanding that forgiveness is being offered to all. So, the main point I want us to explore tonight is that forgiveness is available to everyone. And the reason we should embrace and receive and accept the forgiveness that's offered through Jesus is because of the joys to be realized. There is so much joy that a life of forgiveness brings. It releases us. It sets us free, but it also wakes us up to these realities of what God is doing in our life. There are so many joys to be realized, and we're going to look at four of them here. And the first joy to be realized is that God is for you. He's 100% hands down for you. And that's not a message we hear all the time. Often we're, we're hearing messages of God's against this and God's against this person. But how often are you just brought into the fact and enjoy the fact that God is for you, that he loves you, that he is at work redeeming and renewing all things. You see, Peter arrives on the scene and he kind of says, okay, you, you realize that this is this is against my religion to enter your house to even associate with you but god has opened my eyes recently that he's actually for people that he's for you that his love extends beyond just love for me but it's love for you and they're like, yeah, we, we get it. And what I love is that it's not just Peter's words that they're witnessing. They're actually witnessing this life transformation in Peter because he's now stepping foot in their door and eating and drinking with them. It's this togetherness of life that's being inaugurated and initiated by Jesus. And what I love is that it brings about this second joy that we need to realize and that is that you are offered intimacy and acceptance. Now, let's be honest. This is scary in any relationship. It's taken me years to share some things with my wife because they've just been so deeply buried and I've tried to keep them down for so long. And sometimes you you, you wrestle with, will this person truly accept me when I actually bring up some of the darkness, when I bring up some of the past. But this is what I love, is that God is for us, but then he also wants and desires this intimate relationship, and it's out of his acceptance of you. He accepts you, he doesn't play favorites. It's not about measuring up to someone else, being like someone else. The only thing we're being called to do is to become more and more like Christ through our intimacy. Through our relationship. God is inviting us into this intimate relationship with himself through Jesus. And he's saying, become more and more like me. Be transformed. Why? To live your best life yet. Because again, God is for you. He accepts you. But I want to kind of tease this out a little bit. Because sometimes we say God accepts you just as you are. And we mean it. But I think sometimes we sell ourselves short if we stop there. Because it's not simply that God accepts you. All right, moving on. Woohoo! Good, we're done for the day. Because if that was the case, if it was just everyone means everyone, God loves you, we're all going to heaven, yay, whoop! Best life ever. Then we're missing out on something. What's going to wake us up in the morning? What gives us purpose and drive to actually make the world a better place? Why come together for church if we're just going to hear that everyone's accepted, that everyone's loved? What's the point of Peter even coming to, to talk to Cornelius and his family about the good news of Jesus if he could have just sent with the messengers, oh yeah, you guys are all good, you're in now. No, there's, there's this nuance here that Jesus, he accepts us, but he invites us as we are. And he invites us into this new life. Because you see, in response to his invitation, it always involves this complete transformation which is acted out in repentance, in forgiveness, in baptism, and receiving the Holy Spirit, just as we see here. There's this turning around, this 180, saying, yeah, you know what? I've made some really poor decisions. I need to walk away from them and live with Jesus as the king of my life. And then at that point, we can receive his forgiveness. And when we receive Jesus' forgiveness, it's mind blowing, life transforming. It, it, it allows us to step into this new reality that we've never experienced before. I don't know if you can remember the first time you ever really received forgiveness for something huge. I had done a bunch of dumb things as a kid. But later on in my young adult years, I had made some terrible, terrible decisions. And when I came clean and confessed them, I thought this guy sitting across from me was going to strangle me. And he opened up his arms and he hugged me and he just wept. And he said, Kevin, I see God working in your life. I had never experienced anything like that in my life. And that was the first taste of true forgiveness that I had really felt. And then I began understanding just how much God's forgiveness can revolutionize our lives. What's at stake here isn't the principle of tolerance, but it's the glorious first century truth that in Jesus, the Messiah of Israel, God has broken down the barrier between Jew and Gentile in order to reveal God's mercy to both. But in both cases, there's this acceptance and invitation to respond, but it's up to us to decide whether or not we're going to, because we're all required to repent. Peter in Acts 2.38 starts off by saying, Jews, this is open to you, but you need to repent of your sins. You need to repent of your wrongdoings. But you see, the third joy that it then wakes us up to realize is that you are being welcomed into the family. And this new family, it unites us and it unifies us in this incredible way. And what I love in this coming together as family is that we all are different in families. We all play different roles, we all have different characteristics and personalities and Jesus isn't asking you to change who you are he made you he's inviting you to bring those differences and that diversity together for the goodness of the world you are being welcomed into this new family and in the opening line of Peter's speech when he says God has no fav- favorites this doesn't mean that that God runs the world as a democracy or that he simply validates and accepts everyone's opinion about everything or everyone's chosen lifestyle, what it means is that there's no ethnic, geographical, cultural, or moral barriers any longer in the way of anyone. And everyone is being offered forgiveness and new life. That is what is meant when it says God has no favorites. All are welcome to receive forgiveness and new life. That's a message far more powerful than a message of tolerance. Cornelius didn't want God or Peter to simply tolerate him. What he wanted was to be welcomed, forgiven, healed and transformed. And he was that's the third joy that we need to wake up to that god is calling you to become the best you and what that involves is life transformation and stepping into this new life of love of kindness of joy of peace of hope of gentleness of self-control And it's this life that will have enormous ripple effects. The other night, Landon and I were laying in bed and I was praying for him and I I said, God, I I pray that Landon continues to grow up to be a world changer. And he looked at me and he's like, Dad, I can't change the world. I'm like, what do you mean you can't change the world? I'm sure you can change the world. You're already doing it. And he's like, how? I'm like, by being kind, By, by loving your friends. By, by acts of generosity as they give their neighbors their stuffies and share with one another. That's how you change the world. It's not these huge acts, it's these small, simple acts that continue to change the trajectory of your life and continue to impact the world. So I said, buddy, wake up tomorrow and change the world by being kind to someone. I don't know if it resonated with him, but. I don't know, I think we all need to hear that message too, that we are being invited and called in to become world changers. But it's through these small, simple, consistent acts of following Jesus. As we receive forgiveness and as we truly experience it, it opens us up to this new life to then be able to extend that kind of forgiveness to others. You are being welcomed into a family, and it's a family that forgives. The church is the best place to come together and learn how to do life together and learn how to work through the hardships and forgive one another. It's not a place of perfection. And if you think our church is perfect, you're out of your mind, (laughs) because I know we're not we're going to hurt one another, we're going to make mistakes, but we keep coming back to the table because we love one another, because we know each other matters, and that because we've received the forgiveness we have, we can extend that to one another and say, I forgive you. And the fourth joy that this wakes us up to, Jesus has given us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit that fell down on Cornelius and his household, they began speaking in a new language. And this was signifying to the Jews that, wow, they've actually received the Holy Spirit. Because you see, the, these Jewish men who would have been there would have been circumcised and they would have been thinking in their minds, and as we'll see later on in Acts, that wait, Gentiles who haven't been circumcised and followed God's laws, they can't receive the Spirit. But this is showing us that, yeah, they can. Let's actually note here that these guys received the Holy Spirit before they were baptized. Baptism is merely that outward declaration saying, God is transforming my life and I'm making him king. But You know what? The, the power that you've been given through the Holy Spirit is that he actually gives you the power and the ability to repent. He gives you the power to confess. He gives you the power to do good. He gives you power to do the hard work. He gives you power to step into your best life yet. And those are not easy tasks. Forgiveness isn't a one-stop shop. It's not this one-time thing like, hey, I asked forgiveness 32 years ago, yeah, I'm good. It's this ongoing thing in our marriages, in our relationships, and with God. It's this ongoing cycle where we, we repent and we say, we confess, and we ask for forgiveness. Now, that doesn't mean there's no consequences. What it means is that we can extend one another forgiveness, that we can receive forgiveness, and that as we receive that, and as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we can do the hard work of making things right. We can do the hard things of reconciling with our friends and our family and our coworkers. We can step into the best life that God is inviting us into. You see, forgiveness is available to everyone. You are invited to receive Jesus' forgiveness and to wake up to these joys that are available, that are ready, that, that are offered with forgiveness. To be reminded that God is for you, that God loves you. To be invited into this intimate relationship where you're accepted, warts and all. And then to be welcomed into this new family which, which seeks to come together to support and encourage one another to go out and change the world. And to receive the Holy Spirit and be filled with the Holy Spirit which will empower you to make the hard decisions but the right ones the Holy Spirit that will continue to nudge you in certain directions and and help you realize what God's inviting you into. So the question I always ask is, so what? So what do we do now? And for this, Cornelius comes out of the water and asks Peter to stay. And what I love in this imagery is that it's this joining of life together. Saying, look, at the very beginning, it was like, this is taboo for us to even be together. But God's transforming work now is waking them up to, no, he's inviting us to do life together now. And together, we can go out and change the world. Caesarea was right on the ocean, and you can continue to see this forward movement of the gospel expanding around the region, and soon it's gonna be going across the ocean to Rome and to the ends of the earth. So what do we do now? Let's follow it. So first of all, have you followed Jesus? Have you made him Lord of your life, king of your life, the true king of the world? Have you surrendered to him, saying, you're in the first chair, Jesus? I'm in the second chair. And then, have you followed his example in baptism? Have you said, I'm publicly declaring with my life that Jesus is king and I want my friends and family and everyone else to to see it and to hold me accountable. But you know what? I also look back to what Jesus taught, what Jesus looked for. And the point for Jesus in all of this is fruit. The fruit that we produce. Are we producing bad fruit or good fruit? He says that you'll know people by their fruit, by their life, by they ha- how they actually live in the world. So as we wrestle with the question of what do we do now, lots of people get excited about new ideas. They get spurred on by an inspiring message that they hear. But then we go out and oftentimes we simply forget it. Or we're kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, that's kind of hard work now. I was so encouraged while I was sitting there. But what we have to remember is that if a new idea or understanding or interpretation or a really good message doesn't help transform you into the kind of person that Jesus is calling you to be, then it isn't worth much. So the questions that we need to wrestle with this week And would be good to talk to with a safe and trusted person, whether it be your spouse or if you want to talk to me as your pastor or a good friend. But wrestle through the questions that are you more forgiving now than you were a year ago? Six months ago. Are you less judgmental? Are you more present? Are you more courageous? Are you less worried and anxious and more free and loving? That's what's interesting. That's what matters. It's you being transformed. And if Jesus isn't transforming your life and you aren't seeing some of these things happen and the fruit being produced in your life, then I'm gonna have you do some real heart work and actually examine your relationship with Jesus. You've gotta ask yourself, is he Lord of my life? Do I have that intimate relationship with him? And am I living a life of freedom and forgiveness? And then ask yourself, is there anything that you need to confess or repent to turn away from? You know what, this is one of the hardest things you're going to have to do is to actually examine your life and your heart and your mind and your thoughts. Say, yeah, I, I've been letting things slide. I've, I've been taking small steps in the wrong direction. You know what? Confess that to someone. Repent of it. Turn away from it. Receive that forgiveness from God. He, he absolutely loves you and bestows grace upon grace. And then, is there something you need to do is there next steps in your faith? If if you have a relationship with Jesus and you're like, yeah, I've asked him to be Lord of my life. Are there next steps that he's asking you to do that you've been holding off on? So there's trusting Jesus. There's following his example in baptism. There's giving back more of your resources, your time, your energy, your money, so that you can continue to participate in making Jesus known or Sometimes there's just these simple nudges from the Holy Spirit that you've been resisting. I know for me, it was the call into ministry. I've resisted it for four years, but sometimes it's even simply calling up a friend who's been on your heart, asking someone for forgiveness, extending someone forgiveness, reconciling with a family member or a coworker. And then talk about which of these joys excite you, that God is for you, is it that God accepts you as you are and invites you into this, this life of transformation? Or is it that you're welcomed into this family because you never really had a family and you never really belonged anywhere growing up? Or is it that you can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? And when you have the power of the Holy Spirit, He can empower you to do things you never thought were imaginable. Forgiveness, can you imagine? So, if sin has crept back in your life, if it's been separating you from God, it's been putting a wedge there, repent, turn from it, fix it, confess, walk with someone, walk with your church. We are here for you and we love you. Tonight, I invite you to receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers and to wake up to these joys that can be realized as you step into a life of forgiveness, of love, and of freedom if you'll pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of Jesus. God, thank you for these stories that people were compelled to write down and share over and over and over again for centuries and for generations so that we can sit here today and say, this isn't anything new, but this is still something that we are being invited into. God, you are living and active in our lives, through scripture, in our world, and I pray that you help wake us up to where it is you are at work. God, if any of us are sitting here tonight and we're just feeling that nudge of the Holy Spirit to take a next step, I pray that we will lean in to that feeling, that we will will respond to that nudge, whether it's putting our trust in you for the first time or again and again, Whether it's taking the next step of baptism and saying, I need to do something about this to publicly declare that Jesus is Lord of my life. Whether it's just taking that next step of reaching out to someone and either asking for forgiveness or extending forgiveness that we've been holding on to. God, free us from this. And I pray that as we live a life that's marked by forgiveness, that's marked by receiving your forgiveness and extending forgiveness to others, that we will realize these joys that come with it. That we will wake up to your love and your grace. God, we don't deserve it by any means. But thank you. And I pray that we take this message of hope, of love, of life transformation, that we take it to the world and that we become world changers for your glory. God, make your name known and transform lives and communities through the power of your Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. I pray tonight that you have seen the light, that you are waking up to this relationship with Jesus, and that everything you do is for his glory. May your life be marked by his goodness and forgiveness, and may you embrace that in ways you never thought imaginable. So thanks for gathering together with us online together where we can still meet and be encouraged and equipped to lean into our relationship with Jesus, and to share the love and the hope that we have in him with others. Just like Peter, who was summoned to Cornelius' house with a message to share, you too have a message to share. And that's the message of Jesus and the work he's doing in your life. Uh, Continue to join us every Saturday at 5pm. If you happen to miss out, you can always find our services on Facebook, YouTube, or listen to it on podcasts at The Well Binbrook. Uh, But if you or somebody you know wants more information about starting a relationship with Jesus, taking the next step of baptism, simply email hello at thewellbinbrook.com with the subject baptism or whatever. We'd love to connect with you. I'd be thrilled to follow up with you. Exciting things are happening in our midst and in our community. God is at work. Jesus is being made known. Thank you for being part of it. May the grace and peace of Jesus be with you. Amen.